Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and that sometimes messy thing we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Milu, the simplest way for photographers and coordinators to collaborate on shot lists and timelines for weddings, parties, and other amazing events. Visit Milu, M-I-I-L-U dot com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit photographersedit.com. Hey, Boca Podcast listeners. Before we get into this episode, I wanted to add just a little bit of clarification. There are a number of times where I refer to Google Ads as AdWords. That's actually old terminology. They are one and the same. The current up-to-date name for the Google Ads platform is Google Ads. It's no longer AdWords. Just wanted to add that clarification to minimize any potential chance of confusion. All right, here we go with the episode. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, we are back for another episode. Brand new guest today, and one of the few guests actually who is not a photographer. And and I counted a privilege, Deirdre. Thank you so much for making time to hang out with us today. Yeah, thank you so much, Nathan, for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Well, we're actually digging into a topic that really we haven't covered yet, um, at least not to this extent. We're going to be talking about Google AdWords in the context of promoting a photography business and ultimately how to even get started in Google AdWords, because I would assume, Deirdre, and I don't know if this is what you found as well, but most photographers probably haven't experimented, at least not in the last few years, haven't experimented with this platform much. Yeah, I know there are a few out there who are testing it out a bit and giving it a try, but basically the vast majority of photographers that I've talked to have not tried it out yet. Okay, so um, we're going to get into that and and just wonderful detail in just a little bit. Uh, but Deirdre, I wanted to give a little bit of context to our listeners too as to why we should even be talking to you about Google AdWords. You actually have quite a bit of experience in this realm. Can you just share a little bit of your background with our listeners? Yeah, so I've been working in marketing for the last 15 years, and I've worked in advertising agencies with big brands like Audi and Porsche and Hard Rock Casino, but um, that's really not my happy place. The the most fulfilling campaigns that I've worked on have been for my own family business. So my brother and his wife are creative entrepreneurs, and they own a dance studio. So I had the wonderful opportunity to work full-time with them for several years and just be a part of that whole creative dance world. And that's that's definitely uh, what I have loved most in my life is really being a part of that small business environment and actually being really proud of what I'm marketing, excited by it, and actually seeing that I'm making a difference in the lives of uh, you know two small business owners. Yeah. I mean, and, and most of our listeners can probably relate to that business structure, right? You have sole proprietors, maybe you have a, a business, a photography business run by, by a couple of partners, whatever the case, that small business vibe, um, it's definitely, I, I don't know if I could ever really go back to the so-called corporate world. It would, I'd, I'd be hard pressed to do so. Having the freedom, the flexibility uh, that is given us as small business owners, I think it's wonderful. It's a lot of hard work 
but then on the end of the other end of that hard work, the payoff can be, and it can feel pretty great. And I'm sure being a part of that process with small business owners is pretty fulfilling for you. For sure. It's just, it's really exciting when I see the people that I'm working with actually having results. Whereas, you know, when you're working for big brands, you're not really sure if it's making a difference mm. or if they even care really. They got so much <laughs> money. I mean, <laughs> yeah. no, that's, that's fair. Well, um, I appreciate you being willing to come along and, and share with us today. And we're going to get to that that main topic and get into Google AdWords, at least an introduction to Google AdWords here in just a little bit. But there are a few questions that I normally ask the guests that come on this podcast. And you being a business owner, being a consultant, um, I'm curious, from your experience as a business owner, what would you say is the most important principle behind providing a wonderful customer experience? For me personally, I think as business owners, we really need to care about helping people, really care about actually getting them a real result. It can't just be about, you know, the number of bookings you're getting or the dollars in your bank account, because when that's all you care about, people can feel that. Hmm. And it's not its not a good feeling. But when you actually really do care about what's going on with them and actually really do want to help them and see them succeed, they can feel that too. And I think for them, that's what creates a truly positive experience and they're not going to forget it. Yeah. You know, I, this is a fascinating topic. First of all, it very much follows a line of conversation that has been going on here to the podcast for a while, which is just very simply the significance of focusing on adding value to a potential client or to our client's lives, making that the primary goal, um, make it about serving them. Of course, we've talked countless times now about Donald Miller building a story brand, and, and he emphasizes this as well, making the client the hero of their own story. I love this theme. Do you feel like, I mean, when I've, I've interacted with various business owners over the years, and, and I guess particularly what comes to mind is going to like a, a small business networking meeting, not necessarily specific to photography. And you get the sense when you meet some people that they are just about doing business and about numbers and getting the phone number or getting the email address versus actually like genuinely being interested in you as an individual and figuring out how they can add value to your life. Do you think that that is a, like a scalable effort uh, for lack of a better phrase? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I, I think it, uh, it really depends on what kind of business you're running. And obviously if you're a photographer, there's only so many jobs that you can schedule into your calendar per year. But I think that when you are really focusing on the quality of service and really giving somebody an experience that they're going to love and and not forget about, it's, well, you can certainly, you know, charge more for that because people are willing to pay for a good experience. And that kind of lowers your stress level in terms of how high you need to scale things. But also it cuts down on your marketing efforts because people yeah. are going to bring you referrals. Well, yeah, and I guess maybe I should have been a little bit more specific what I'm thinking about. And that makes sense practically, but even on a, on a deeper level, emotionally, like it can be a bit emotionally taxing to put yourself out there to actually genuinely like throw your own emotion into connecting with an individual, showing kindness and showing interest and trying to get to know somebody. It takes a little bit more effort. And I guess that's what I'm thinking about a little bit more. And, and it's, it's a rhetorical question. I think the, the investment of our own emotional energy and developing relationship with a potential client can, it, it definitely comes, comes back. I was at a conference actually um, over the last few days in San Diego and was there as a sponsor and a lot of what I did was just saying hello and good morning as our booth was sitting right next to the entrance to kind of the main conference room. 
And um, so in addition to having conversations over the few days with various photographers at my booth, a lot of the photographers were walking by the booth to go into this conference room. A lot of my conversation was just saying hello and good morning and doing so with a genuine smile um, and an interest in conveying that, that, I guess, warmth ultimately. And it was really cool at the, at the end of the conference, somebody made just almost like in passing, it was in a group conversation or something. And somebody made a, com- a, a comment about me being that really kind person, like you were a really kind person. And that didn't translate to an immediate sale of, you know, $3,000 for my business. But the, the reality is I think that kind of thing can make an impact that may not pay off in the moment, but can pay off potentially in the long run when they think about a post-production company in my case that they want to hire. And they're like, Oh man, that, that guy, Nate, he was like, he was actually interested in me. He was genuinely kind to me. He smiled at me when he went by, whereas most people keep their heads down and they're looking at their phones. Like the little, seemingly little things, the extra effort seems to make a difference. What what has your experience been in that regard? Oh yeah. I I absolutely 100% agree with you there. Um, Just putting that kindness out into the universe. It it's picked up on by the people who need that little bit of kindness in that moment. And Hmm. they remember, they remember you for that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't don't think we can do that enough. So I'm, I'm really glad that you highlight the significance of just caring to add value or just caring to care, to show care, concern, genuine concern, to actually help somebody to add value to their life and to their business. It's, it's such a great reminder. So I'm glad you bring that up. But I want to ask you another question that, that I ask our guests here on the, the podcast very regularly, have been for a long time. It has, it has to do with brand position. You're in a really crowded market, digital marketing, um, more specifically AdWords. And I'm curious how you to create a distinction between yourself, your company, and the other brands that say they do something similar? Right. So what I do is I teach creative business owners how to manage their own digital marketing campaigns. I'm not trying to run the campaigns for them. Interesting. Just because, especially when you are a small business owner, like, and I'm not even talking about really small, you know, you may have a very successful business, but that doesn't mean you have a ton of, you know, leftover cash to go out and hire a consultant or an agency because those fees are very, very expensive. So if you can handle a little bit of a learning curve and put in that time investment up front, then, you know, you're going to save yourself a lot of money and a lot of headache by being able to manage your own campaigns. And I think another thing that really sets me apart from you know, other people who are saying that they're going to, you know, teach you how to run ads is I focus very much on small business and local business strategy. So I'm not here just to show you how to use the tool and set up a campaign and a platform. I really want to help small business owners change their thinking and start thinking more about, you know, the big picture, what is their strategy and what is the why behind everything that they're doing in their marketing efforts and how is this going to affect their business Mm. in the long run? So I really want to help people with that strategy mindset. I'm on the homepage of your website for everybody listening in. It's definemarketing.ca, just like it sounds. We'll link to it in the show notes. And and by the way, Deirdre is also on Instagram at defineMarketingBlog. We'll also link to that in the show notes. But you have a very simple brand position statement there on the homepage. I help small business owners turn clicks into customers. I like that. It's catchy. But I, I really like the specificity with which you described your brand position just a couple of minutes ago. And and there were a couple of components. I actually made notes here because they, they stuck out to me. And this seems to be the distinctive value proposition 
Uh, one was that you're focused on a creative business owner. And so you're actually calling out a particular market se- segment. You're not just working with anybody. You're working specifically with a creative business owner. And for all of our listeners, when you're, when you're considering how to create a, a distinct brand position, this is one of the ways you can do it is to call out a very specific segment of the market that you want to work with. The other thing that, that you specified was the fact that you want to help them run their own campaign. So a lot of, a lot of these companies who offer digital marketing services are wanting to take on that work themselves. In this case, you're doing it different. You've switched it. You flipped the table. You're saying, you know what? Actually, I want to help you learn how to do this yourself. I'm going to teach you how. And that's a, that's a twist on it. So I like the specificity of these two ideas. Strategy, I, I guess I should also mention, was the third thing that, that you um, highlighted. Um, these three things are what create some distinction between you and the other companies specificity is everything when it comes to brand position. And this is a a wonderful example for all of our listeners. Make sure you pay close attention because uh, this is a great example for you as well. But let me jump to the next question, Deirdre. And time is something that we also talk about quite a bit here on the podcast. It can be difficult to, to create time for ourselves, for the important people in our life when we run our own companies. Is there a particular tip or technique workflow style that you've utilized that gives you some of that time? (laughs) Um, I'm kind of laughing here because I'm, I'm a terrible procrastinator and that has carried over into my own business. Oh, really? Okay. Um, so time management is not really, um, my strong point. Uh, you know, my partner kind of gives me a hard time because I don't get out of bed until like 10 o'clock in the morning, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) but I, I think when it comes to balancing work and, and free time in the past year, I've, really worked hard on my money mindset and just having the confidence in myself so that I'm not afraid to charge what my work is worth. Hmm. And as a business owner, that makes a huge difference for me because, you know, when there's money coming in, when I'm actually charging, uh, uh, you know, for the value of what I'm offering. Yeah. And there's less pressure on me to you know, work my butt off all the time and be checking my email after hours. Um, you know, I, I can set those boundaries for myself. Like the, these are my work hours. It pays me enough to get by. And the rest of the time I'm dedicating to my friends and my family and my home. I, I don't, I don't think in 360 or so episodes that I've recorded and all the episodes that we've been talking on this topic that I've had anybody respond with charge what you're worth. Um, at, at, which I think is fascinating. And, and it's a wonderful point. Like if, if you are charging enough of a, a, a premium, um, you don't have to book as much work. You don't have to be so frantic to book more work. And it gives you a little bit more, well, certainly peace of mind and then freedom and flexibility. So uh, enough said, I think that's beautifully summed up. <laughs> what about outsourcing or delegation? I mean, are, as a small business owner, is that something that, that you have begun doing yet? Do you, do you find outside companies that you work with to help you with what you do? Or do you have an assistant or, or otherwise? I'm kind of just starting to get into that now. Okay. Um, so I, I'm only just entering my second year in business by myself. So up until this point, I've been kind of in startup mode and I've had to do pretty much everything on my own. Sure. But um, this year in 2020, I've started outsourcing some of the, the more creative stuff that I'm not so great at. Okay. So, you know, I'll be the first to admit that I am certainly a more logical person, which is why I love working in Patreon. Traffic and media planning. Data. So, (laughs) 
data all the way. Yes. So this year I've hired someone to redesign my sales page. I'm going to be refreshing, refreshing my branding. And I'm actually really, really excited to have been able to hire a photographer and plan out a personal branding photo shoot. So cool. I'm really, I'm really looking forward to see how that impacts my business this year. Very cool. You know, and the brand photography has become a really popular thing. It seems like even more specifically in the last couple of years or so, maybe even less, um, that, that seems to be a more popular thing, but that's great. And, uh, I'm sure all of our photographers can appreciate the fact that you actually had a professional come along and, and help you with that too. I think that's great. The, the picture on your, uh, homepage currently is, is a beautiful image. Did you have a pro do that as well? So I did. I didn't actually take that as a, a branding photography. So like I said, I've been in my first year. So those are photos that I had uh, taken about three years ago, and they okay. are professional photos. But I'm going back to that photographer for um, an actual personal uh, branding photo session that we can really brainstorm. Like, how do I, you know, bring my personality to my business? Yeah. And you know, not just a photo of me in a pretty dress. <laughs> <laughs> that, well, that's wonderful. Um, talk to me a little bit about inspiration and more specifically inspiration outside of the marketing world. I know that like for photographers, for example, it's, it's easy just to scroll endlessly through Instagram and, and look at all of the, the Instagram accounts of photographers, Instagram accounts and quote, find inspiration from those. But, um, I also find it interesting tapping into the outside world, if you will, for inspiration, whether it's in movies or, or other businesses, reading self-help books or otherwise, where do you find inspiration outside of the marketing world? Um, well, as I mentioned before, my brother and his wife own a business. So for a very long time, my inspiration was always coming from them because hmm. they are so, so creative and they just, they put together the most incredible art for the stage. And wow. when I would be participating in that, it just made me feel so alive and I felt so driven to be a successful marketer for them so that I could make sure that everyone in our city could see how beautiful and how amazing their artwork was. So that really fired me up for a long time. And since I've left the dance studio, it's been, you know, a, a bit of a journey for me trying to find out really like where I fit into this world. Cause I've always really liked to be the behind the scenes person. So mm. um, I, I'm actually living in Scotland now and wow. um, I'm, I'm getting married soon. Congratulations. Thank you. And I feel just very inspired by the city around me and by living in Europe and being able to travel and just the idea of living my very best life with my partner and having the freedom to do my own thing. So that really motivates me to keep working hard for myself, like working as hard as I did mm. when I was with the dance studio. And uh, so that's kind of what's got me motivated to keep going now. Wow. I've never been to Scotland before. And I've been recently inspired, I guess, by the country watching Outlander. I'm, I, I think I'm a little bit late to the game. Have you ever seen the show? Yes, I have. Okay. Um, and I don't know how accurate it is to, you know, the, or historically accurate it is, but it, it seems like such beautiful country. And I would love at some point to, to go visit. How long have you been there? I moved here about a year and a half ago, okay. um, but I had never traveled before. So wow. I, uh, yeah, I never imagined that I would be packing up two suitcases and moving to the other side of the world, but it's, uh, it's been a really wonderful experience. Ah, that's incredible. Well, c congratulations on an experience in your upcoming wedding. And, and, um, I, you're gonna have to start sharing some of this stuff on Instagram too, because I don't really imagine how, how beautiful that, that landscape is there. It just, it seems like it's absolutely incredible. 
It, it is. If you ever come to Scotland, you have to do a tour of the Highlands because it's just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I absolutely would love to. Um, switching gears just a little bit, though, what what's the, one of the most impactful books? And this could be a business book or self-help book or otherwise that, that you've read or listened to in the last few years. Um, well, you did mention building a story brand already. So that's that's definitely one of them. I love Donald Miller. Yes. Miller, excuse me. But um, lately, I think Profit First by Mike Michalowicz. Okay, yeah. I haven't actually finished the book yet, to be honest, because it's, it's more for brick and mortar businesses. And I've kind of been focused on the online entrepreneur side of things. But just having that profit first mindset has really changed my life in the, in the last few months, because I've been able to set revenue goals. I know how much money I need to make in order to pay myself a living. I have a system in place to make sure I've got money set aside for taxes. I'm able to get really clear about what expenses are truly necessary to run my business and cut out the crap that I don't need. Because when you pay yourself first, that means you only have a set amount left over for expenses and can't go over that budget. So because of that, I no longer feel like I'm just working to keep the business alive. I feel like I'm working to pay myself and support the kind of life that I want for myself, which is why I started my own business in the first place. Wow. So profit first. And I don't know, this This book may have been mentioned once or twice in the, in the show, if that at this point, but we're going to make sure to put that in the show notes and we'll have to add it as well. We have, for anybody listening in who, who hasn't seen this yet, um, we've actually put together a collection of the books that our, our guests have been sharing most often. You can go to bookapodcast.com and scroll down and you'll find a link, but we'll make sure to put this book in the show notes. And, you know, it's fascinating, Deirdre, I I think, well, I've spoken to this multiple times on the podcast before. I know that my biggest weakness as as a photography business owner and a new business owner in my 20s in particular was just this lack of discipline with money. I didn't know, first of all, I grew up in a family didn't didn't have a lot of money. And so I never had a lot of money to manage or play with. It wasn't really something that I that I had realized at that point. And so even when I started getting, you know, checks for a thousand dollars or three thousand dollars or five, I mean, I, I just the idea of that much money in my hand, I'm going to put it in the bank and now I can spend it like it was just a, such a foreign concept to me. Or, of course, ultimately, the fact that I shouldn't just be spending it all of it, but setting some aside in savings and um, considering my expenses and thinking about taxes, as you mentioned. And it's it's very, very basic concepts at the end of the day. But as business owners, especially if we haven't trained as such, it's something that we need to keep at the forefront of our minds in order to build a successful business. And so I'm really glad that you highlight this book. We'll make sure to put it in the show notes at, again at bocapodcast.com for all of those listening in. But I want to get to a, a really big topic, and, and I have to stress, this is a massive topic. We're going to kind of do an introduction to Google AdWords today with Deirdre, and I, I want to say at the outset too, Deirdre, just to kind of give a little bit of context, and I mentioned this to you ahead of time, but we haven't really talked about Google AdWords here on, on the podcast, and part of the reason is because I wasn't particularly compelled by the Google AdWords platform. We made some efforts in the recent years at Photographer's Edit to use Google AdWords, just didn't see results. We saw incredible results from SEO, saw some pretty incredible results with Facebook as well. And so we just haven't really put a whole lot of effort into the the platform as of late. And, you know, it's no secret that it's more expensive, significantly more expensive than it used to be certainly early on. Um, so I'd love for you to share kind of the, the big value in Google AdWords in, in contrast to or in comparison to Facebook, Instagram, uh, even organic search. 
Right. So one of the things that I always say about Google ads is that they have a superpower that uh, Facebook ads and Instagram ads don't have. And that is the power of intent. So what I mean by that, um, you know, I'm sure you're very familiar with Facebook ads. So you know that when you set up a Facebook campaign or an Instagram campaign, you're targeting people based on their demographics, their geographics, and their interests. So the things that you think that they're going to be interested in that are related to your business. But just because somebody is interested in a particular topic or just because that person looks like your ideal customer, it doesn't mean they're actually in the market for what you're selling. It doesn't mean that they need it now. So you're paying to get impressions or to put your ad in front of people who may not need what you have. Where with Google ads, it's kind of the complete opposite. So you're, instead of just targeting people based on their interest, you're bidding on the keywords that people are searching. Mm. So They're going to their phone or they're going to their laptop. They're going to Google and they're typing in, you know, where can I find a personal branding photographer? Hmm. So your ad is only showing up to the people who are searching for that, the people who want or need or have the intent to actually hire a personal branding photographer. So you're kind of getting the people who, you know, they're, they're, they're warm traffic, they're hot traffic, uh, you know, the low hanging fruit. So you, you got to get your ad in front of them while they're actually searching for what it is that you can offer them. Wow. I never thought of it that way, but that's such a great point. And that's a very clear distinction. You're right. Facebook, you're getting fed ads based on interest. So you're not necessarily ready to buy right then. Google, you're going to search for something because you, you are interested or you want to purchase something. You're looking for a particular service. Yeah. And, and so naturally you're a warm or a hot lead. I love that. It's a beautiful distinction. I'm already, you've almost already sold me. So let's, let's keep going. AdWords and SEO. Um, this is something that you mentioned to me, to us ahead of time, but um, they're not necessarily mutually exclusive. We've had incredible results with SEO, unfortunately. I mean, there's a lot of work that goes into it. I think largely driven by the insane amount of show notes, wonderful show notes that Haley, our producer, um, has put together for the podcast. And so we we rank pretty high, actually, just organically. But that's not exclusive or mutually exclusive to AdWords. Can you explain how they work together? Right. So uh, I'm search, search engine optimization is absolutely uh, a very important part of anybody's marketing strategy. You know, they say to to be found, you must be findable. So obviously you need to be on the first page of Google so that if somebody is searching for your service, they're going to find you. But the problem with SEO is that Mm, it's tough to do. There's a lot of work involved in that. And you don't necessarily have a lot of control over it. So there's no such thing as a universal ranking. You're going to rank differently depending on what people are searching for. So it could be that you're ranking really high for one particular key phrase, but you're not ranking at all for another key phrase. So in that situation, using Google ads to boost your ranking or get visibility for that phrase that you're not ranking for yet, that's a really great way to get your business in front of people who are looking for what you have. But the other thing too, is that Google updates their algorithm all the time. And basically that's just to make sure that Google is evolving as our search habits evolve. So it used to be that 
the things that used to help you rank better organically. So for example, let's go with your keyword ratio. It used to be that having a really high ratio of keywords inside of your website text would mean that your website would rank higher because it was obviously more relevant. But as people begin to abuse that, Google knows that, and then they're going to change their algorithm so that what was once getting you a higher rank is now getting you penalized and your organic traffic can get wiped out, which happened to my family business um, just with an algorithm update. Uh, Not that we were doing anything wrong. It's just that with that algorithm update, things changed and all of a sudden our, our organic traffic was cut in half and it took us like six months to figure out how to recover that. And um, just third point on that, I think that using Google ads in combination with search engine optimization is a really great way to dominate the search engine results page because you have to remember that ads always show up first and then those are at the top of the page. And in the middle, you're going to see the Google My Business listings. So those are like the pin drops on the map or, you know, places that show the ratings. So and then below that is the organic listings. So even if you are ranking number one organically, people still have to scroll past ads. They still have to scroll past the pin drops. And then if you're on like a mobile phone, that's below the fold. So they have to go all the way down before they even see you. So if you're using Google ads and you're taking advantage of Google My Business and you're taking advantage of SEO, you can show up in all three places and that boosts your authority because you're basically dominating that results page. You're everywhere. (laughs) No, that totally makes sense. Um, They don't have to be mutually exclusive. And like I've, um, I tend to be a bit of an extremist, kind of an all or nothing individual. And I'm continually reminded now, even at 40 of the reality that, that life doesn't work uh, most effectively in that way. So so much of the time you have to find a little bit of a, a balance in there somewhere. So the idea that we don't just focus on SEO, that we also include AdWords uh, in our marketing efforts seems to be to, to make a lot of sense in that regard. Again, especially if we want to be everywhere, seen everywhere. Let, let's talk about how AdWords even works, especially for our listeners who've never really used it before. Can you break down just the basic campaign structure, keywords, um, ad group hierarchy, these kinds of things? Yeah. So I think um, one of the mistakes that a lot of new users to Google ads, uh, one of the mistakes they make is they just kind of throw a whole bunch of keywords in that they think they need to rank for, and then they write a couple of ads and then they let it run. But you need to really get specific with which keywords are triggering which ads. So to do that, you need to use ad groups. And that's a lot like ad sets in Facebook ads or Instagram ads where the ad set contains your interest targeting. Yes. But in Google I've, I've ads... Always or- been, I've been confused too why, why Facebook doesn't just call it you know, target market or something that, that makes logically makes a little bit more sense as far as the label because the ad set really is who you are targeting, as you pointed out. Yeah. So basically, you just need to think of it as the container. And in Google ads, so your ad group, generally, you want to have that ad group instead of it being, you know, your targeting, it's going to contain your keywords, which are going to relate to a very specific part of your business. So usually with small businesses, it's really great to break out your ad groups according to the services you provide. 
So like, let me give you an example. If you offer different types of photography, so the photographer that I'm currently working with, she does really sexy boudoir photography. And she also does glamour photography for people who want to look like they're on the cover of Vogue magazine or something. And then she also does personal branding photography. And then she also does uh, photography specifically working with men. Okay. So these would be four separate ad groups. And the reason she would separate them is to make sure that a person searching for personal branding photography does not see her ad all about boudoir photography and vice versa. Hmm. So her personal branding ad group is going to contain keywords about personal branding only, which will then be paired with an ad written specifically about personal branding. And then that ad is going to link to the page of her website that also talks about her personal branding services. I love it. And this is truly going to get her the best results because all throughout the potential customer's journey, she's speaking to them very specifically about what it is that they're looking for. So they know that they're in the right place to find it and she can guide them directly to the right place on her website to get more information and to book a consultation. So just to summarize, so you're going to bid on a keyword for a specific service, then you're going to pair that keyword with an ad written specifically about that service. And then that ad is going to link directly to the service page on your website. And with the ad group, could you, would it be comparable to a campaign and and, and Facebook ads? Um, Or we can take Facebook out of it because some of our listeners may not have even used the ad platform on Facebook. Would it be like a campaign? Because when I think about running a, for example, a campaign for a particular service, um, then I'm going to create certain verbiage that is specific to that. And as you say, link to a particular page, would it, could it be likened to a campaign or no? I guess you could call it that. So in Google ads, you can have all of your ad groups within one campaign. Oh, I see. Because you do have to remember that you're not pushing these ads out there. They're only being triggered when somebody is searching. Yes. So there's going to be fewer impressions, less volume, and it's kind of just easier to set it up as one campaign with one budget and, you know, whichever keywords are seeing the most search volume that day are, you know, that ad is going to be triggered. So you can definitely have um, multiple ad groups for different services within the same campaign. Huh. Well, I have to say the way that you just explained that in just a few minutes is wonderfully simple and logical. I mean, you speak, you speak of being a logical individual. I, it, it shows, but you just you communicated that uh, process very, very simply. It's very easy to understand. And I'm, I'm really impressed again already. Um, but I, I want to jump to the next point of conversation, which is remarketing or retargeting, what does this look like? I mean, we have a a potential client comes to our site and most our listeners probably have experienced this before. You know, they go to, um, let's just say nike.com. They're interested in some shoes and then suddenly they're seeing Nike ads all over the place. That is that retargeting or or remarketing. And and maybe you prefer a particular term over the other, but what does that process look like? And how do you do that using AdWords? Right. So, I mean, in all honesty, the vast pe- the vast majority of people um, will not book with you the first time they visit your website. So if you're seeing a conversion rate of maybe 2% for cold, from cold traffic, you're in good shape. But that also means that 98% of your web traffic is going to leave your website without booking. And that can feel kind of discouraging. But 
you have to think about it from the customer's point of view. You know, just because they're looking for something, it doesn't mean that they're going to whip out their wallet and pay the first person that offers it to them. Right. So they need time to think about things. They need time to come to a decision. Maybe they want to check out your competition and compare prices. Maybe they want to check out your work on Instagram or they want to see if you have Google or Facebook reviews. Maybe they just want to discuss a big purchase with their significant other or they're waiting for payday. Like there are a million reasons why people wait to make a purchase. But what happens is life gets busy. People get distracted. They forget. So that's why you need to first and foremost, make sure they remember your name and who you are. And then, you know, second, you need to give them a way to find their way back to you. So that's why remarketing is so important. Like you're advertising to the people who have already engaged with you. So like you said, you look at a pair of shoes online and then all of a sudden you see them everywhere. It's because they don't want you to forget and they want to give you a way back. So you can do that um, definitely through Google. Uh, Google has what's called the display network and there are over 2 million websites in the Google display network. And I think it reaches like over 90% of the internet. Wow. So basically, you can create a banner ad and follow people all over the internet, like you said, or you can do it through Facebook and Instagram or both. But basically, the point is just to give them a visual reminder so that they can come back to you. You know, I'll give you a just a personal example of this. So as I said, I'm getting married this summer and I recently Googled wedding photographers back home in Ottawa, where I'm from. And I don't know any photographers at all. So I was relying completely on Google to show me who's out there. So I clicked on like 15 different links, like ads included. And I had all of these tabs open in my browsers with like all the different websites of different photographers so that I could research them. So for a couple of days, I'm going through all of these different tabs. I'm looking at portfolios and I'm looking at services. But eventually I got busy with other things. I got distracted trying to put my guest list together. So I left all of these tabs open to come back to, but then my cat sat on my laptop. She shut it down completely. When I restarted it, I couldn't recover any of my tabs. And guess what? I don't remember the name of a single photographer that I looked at. I have no idea who any of them are. Hmm. And I've been too busy with other things to bother going through my browser history. But if even one of those photographers was running remarketing ads, I would be seeing like a beautiful portfolio image with their name and logo on it and wow. that ad would follow me around the web and I would remember who that photographer is because I'd be seeing their name and I would have a way to get back to their website and you know what the likelihood of that photographer getting my business would increase exponentially hmm. just because I know who they are and I have that way back is there a way to do it without being annoying for lack of a better word. I mean, like I, I, even recently I was looking uh, at shoes, not Nike specifically, but I I started getting fed ads kind of all over the place and it was ridiculous. It would, and it felt like it feels like spam at that point. Can you limit it? So it's not so overwhelming and, and doesn't turn people off. 
Yeah, definitely. So that's why uh, it's really important when you're remarketing to set a frequency cap, which is not something that you can do in Facebook or Instagram. Interesting. Um, So that's really great about the Google Display Network is you can set a frequency cap, which makes sure that number one, you're not annoying people, but also number two, that you're not spending all of your impressions on the same person. I mean, if you have 100 people in your audience, you want to reach all 100 of them. So if you've got a frequency cap of, let's say, five impressions, uh, once person one has seen your ad five times, it'll make sure that person two gets served and person three gets served and, Hmm. and so on. Wow. Okay. So well, that's really great. And and um, again, you're you're continuing to sell me on this. I'm, I'm like I'm getting ready to to send Haley a message and say, let's turn it back on. Let's do this thing. Okay. So I want to get to to this last point, which has to do with expendable cash, uh, or maybe the lack thereof for a lot of business owners. We we do, and I think you pointed this out earlier, Deirdre, that that we have a limited amount of resources potentially as as business owners. We have to try to figure out how to spend that. Google AdWords may not be front of mind at the moment, especially for photographers who are, you know, on Instagram and hearing about the Facebook ad platform all the time. Uh, How do they potentially overcome the fear of using that limited cash to invest specifically in AdWords? Well, I mean, if if you're happy with the results that you're getting in Facebook and Instagram, I'm not going to pressure anybody to try a new ad platform just because. But, you know, I know there are a lot of people out there who have not yet tried Facebook or Instagram or they have, but they haven't seen the results. And sure. I think in that situation, I think trying Google ads, you know, is really great because like we said, we're getting in front of the people who are searching for what you have to offer. But I think a lot of new advertisers get caught up in this idea that they need to spend as little as possible. And I tell people that they need to challenge that mindset because if you're trying to figure out how to spend as little as possible, it probably means in your head you've already decided that it's not going to work and you're trying to limit your risk. And then that kind of becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So I think first what you need to do is look at the value of a new client to your business. Mm. So, I mean, I know not everybody's rates are the same, but just for example, some of the wedding photographers I was looking at, they're charging a minimum of $3,600 for an eight hour day. And that's just a minimum. Sure. So let's say you're in growth mode. I think it's perfectly reasonable to set aside like 10% of your revenue for advertising. So 10% of $3,600 is 360. So that means you can afford to spend $360 to acquire one new client. And let's say you're spending $3 per click on your Google ads campaign. That means you need to book one client for every 120 clicks. And that's not even setting the bar high. That's a completely doable conversion rate. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's just really important to break things down like that beforehand so you have reasonable expectations, know your numbers, know how much you can uh, afford to pay to acquire a new customer. And, you know, that way, when you know what to expect, you're not going to freak out and stop your ads after 30 clicks because you think it's not working when really you just haven't given it enough time to work. Hmm. And and how much, I mean... With Facebook, for example, there's this kind of expected spin-up time, if you will, where it you know it, it 
basically the ad it takes a bit for it to warm up they say don't don't cancel it too quick or don't turn it off too quick you have to actually consider the amount of time that you're giving the ad to actually work is there something like that with with adwords is there kind of this understood incubation period almost where it, it you may not get crazy amounts of results but then it begins to to ramp up yeah i would say so i mean it doesn't work exactly the same as with facebook cuz facebook is going out there and you know serving your ads to people based on their interest okay. so they're always trying to find people to show your ads to Interesting. whereas with google ads your ad is only being shown to the people who search for what you're offering yeah. but at the same time you know google does take your budget into account so they don't show your ad for every single search there is a bit of a learning period where they're trying to figure out who do we think is likely going to take the action that you want them to take so there's a bit of a learning period there but also, I think there's just a bit of a, a learning period for us as marketers. So in Google Ads, you know, you, it's not the kind of platform where you just set it and forget it. You do need to take a look at your search terms and see what queries are actually triggering your ad because mm. it's possible that your ad is being triggered for by queries that aren't quite relevant. And in that case, you need to add those as negative keywords so you can tell Google, I don't want my ad to show up if somebody searches for this. Okay. So on your end, uh, you know, there is a bit of uh, optimization that you do need to do to get your campaign up and running. So it's not going to be profitable on day one. There is uh, a learning curve. It does take a bit of time. But I think once you've put in the work up front, then you can definitely kind of let it sit on the back burner. Well, and I love how you highlighted the importance of knowing numbers. I mean, it, it, it's interesting when you look at the idea of fear. In this case, we're talking about fear of spending money on AdWords, but just generally the idea of fear, it, it, many times it comes from a lack of knowledge, right? You're many times worrying about the future. You don't know what's going to happen. You're afraid. Uh, I'll take one of my own personal experiences. I get nervous with um, heavy turbulence. I have their associated assumptions that really are largely associated with a lack of knowledge of whether or not the plane is going to be okay in this particular situation. And then meanwhile, you know, one of those pilots who's taking a ride in the plane, you look up there and they're conked out totally asleep because they're relaxed. They know nothing bad is going to happen. Um, fear is largely associated with lack of knowledge or lack of understanding. When you have in this, in the context of this conversation, when you have an understanding of your numbers, your income, your expenses, you then know the room that you have, the expendable income that can be spent toward marketing. And uh, and then when you actually look at the data and the behavior, you know, as you pointed out here, Dree, that you know, let's say the minimum package is $3,600. You know the profit that you need to make off of that $3,600 in order to reach your personal and, and business financial goals. And then as a result, you'll know what is left over for the sake of spending on marketing, whether that's 10% or otherwise, you can make that decision intelligently. And, and then you also look at the spend to, you know, the return on that investment and you can continue to make informed decisions, but it's all data driven. And I know that I'm certainly guilty of acting on feelings way too much of the time in the past. And I think a lot of photographers are as well. We tend to be pretty emotional human beings. Um, and we really need to, if we're going to be intelligent business owners, we need to set the feelings aside for a second and look at actual data 
And uh, AdWords is a platform and a context in which we can do that intelligently. And so I, I really love it for that, that purpose as well. This has been a great introduction, um, but it is an introduction, and I want to stress that. And, and to that end, I know that you offer consulting services for creatives with Google AdWords. Um, can you share just briefly about that and, and let our listeners know where they can find you? Yeah, so for those who want to dig a little deeper and see if maybe Google Ads is right for their business, I do offer a free Google Ads cheat sheet, and you can find that on my website, definemarketing.ca. And when you do sign up for that cheat sheet, you'll also get a promo code for my workshop. And with the promotion, it's only 37 bucks. So it's not a big investment. Wow. And in that, I'm taking you through step-by-step my top strategies for creating a winning Google ads campaign that's actually going to turn those clicks into customers. Perfect. Well, we'll link to this in the show notes. It's highly reasonable. So for those of you listening in who are curious and want to up your marketing efforts to to be everywhere, to borrow Deirdre's earlier uh, statement or phrase, then make sure that you check out definemarketing.ca and uh, you can go to Instagram as well if you want to follow along to find marketing blog on Instagram. We'll link to both these in the show notes. And Deirdre, thank you so much for making time for all of us today. Thank you so much for having me. I had a great time. Thank you so much for listening to the Boca Podcast. Will you let us know what you thought by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is Nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Milu, the simplest way for photographers and coordinators to collaborate on shot lists and timelines for weddings, parties, and other amazing events. Visit Milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit photographersedit.com.